right back, Charlie. People deluded, I'm back again. Oh, we live, of course, we're live by now. We've done a couple of shows, you already know what time it is. Got Gunner King in the building, got Guna Lee. How you lot doing, fellas? Where do we start? Because Wenger's been introduced into the Hall of Fame, Conte Pack. We're gonna need some order, man. It's got it's 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 going good where we're concerned, man. We're not saying that's good, man. That's good, man. Yeah, I can't complain, man. Can't complain at all, man. What what a week it's been. Couple and of weeks. What, what a season! What a season! What a season, man! What a season in general. I never, I never want it to end, man. Let's kick off with something first, man. Let's talk about the pagans down the lane, man. Would you lot make a content? Not even just content. Their sporting directors in some trouble now. It looks a mess over there. Power shift happened. That. I don't know where they got. I don't know where they got this power shift talk from. You know. <laughs> yeah. Like they never rocked up and won anything other than the we finished above Arsenal trophy, yeah. and they're not even. They're not even going to win that this season. And if and if we win the league in the process to do that as well, their sporting director has been up to no good at Juventus, so he's going to have to go. <laughs> they just lost their manager. Like, you could not make this up. Chelsea as well down the road, they're in, they're in a complete state. <laughs> it's just, could it be any better for us right now? Couldn't be any better, man. Lee, we on. In relation to you Spurs, know what? I know you and Tapping Toes been going back and forth a lot of the time <laughs> about this man. I've been pre, I peep everything, yo, I see everything. Yo, yo, you see, you see what it is, right? I said at the start of last season, I did my I, my introduction to YouTube was with Toes. I've known Toes for a while, um, and you know, it was the whole who's the better manager, who's going to be the better manager, Arteta or Conte, and I always saw from last season. I just thought to myself, look, we flopped it, we buckled, but I just thought that. I saw a better manager in Arteta. I feel like sometimes you can see a manager in Conte who he has that Mourinho factor where he did seem to be declining. I didn't think that he's the guy that people were making out to be and it's shown to be that. And um, however it's come to come to the light, it's come to the light. And listen, it's a beautiful moment because it's full circle. Arsenal are doing so well, as Gunnar King said, you know, we're, we're, we're in a point where we can really win the league and I feel like we actually will win the league. And I do feel like this is the death of Spurs. I really do. I feel like this point here, there's no coming back for them. Unless they get a new owner. Because you think Harry Kane, whether he stays or goes, he's getting that bit older. They don't spend the money. 29 now. Gonna, they, 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 there you go. Then, and the thing is, even if he goes, then they're more screwed. So, one doesn't look to be the guy with the, He's got the hunger, in my opinion. And then you've got the owners that don't spend the money. They would need to spend probably another... 
200 million, 300 million pounds to catch up to the likes of Arsenal, Chelsea, and it. Do you know what I mean? So for me, I don't feel that, I don't feel they're going to do that. So it's a beautiful moment. And then obviously to cap off what happened today with Wenger, I'm sure we'll get into it. Is it's a full it's full circle, man. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. As you said, yeah, let me ask you that because you mentioned that you felt, uh, and as I said, I've seen some of your content that you've done in relation to specifically Arteta and Conte. Where are you at with the Conte versus Arteta debate? You know, to, to play devil's advocate, to not be biased, because my personal opinion, I think Arteta is on an upward trajectory. But then on the other hand, Conte has done it, isn't it? Conte's, he's got question marks like all managers, but he's done it. He's, he's you know, if football ends tomorrow, Conte will probably be more fulfilled you than, than Arteta and what they've achieved. Can we really say Arteta is a better manager than Conte right now? Not what they can do in the future, but right now. And if it is right now, on the basis of what? Listen, you know well, what it is, for right? Me, go on, go on, go on. Sorry. What I was going to say was with, with Arteta, right, you're seeing someone that can take on players and improve them. Now, like, I think, like, Conte got Tottenham top four last season. But am I looking at any of those players as players that he's improved? Do you know what I mean? Whereas with, with Arteta, I look at I look at Saka, I look at Odegaard, I look at Martinelli, I look at ESR last season when he came in. I look at Ben White, I look at Saliba, I look at Gabriel, I look at Ramsdale. Do you know what I mean? I look at Tierney, even though he's come in, he doesn't fit the system. I'm looking at Zinchenko when he plays. I'm looking at all these players and I'm seeing meteoric improvements, game on game. Like you know, like they they might have a bad moment, but overall, like when you take stock. You know, of of like the start of the season to now, these players are improving, and they're improving our fortunes. So they're taking responsibility, and you're not really seeing players at Tottenham do that either. Do you see what I mean? Like, so they 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 were the ones that touted it. They said, "Look, we've got the world class manager. You've got the guy that was putting out cones for Pep. You know, I mean, he's been there and done it. And look, I don't deny, like you said, uh, DG, I don't deny what Conte's done." But it's kind of like an Eddie Murphy situation. You know what I mean? What have you done for me lately? Yeah? It's, 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 as Lee would say, yeah? he said it many a time, bro. Yeah? And we have to say it again. Like, what, what is, what's, what's, what's he done lately, bro? You know, like, you see what Arteta has been doing lately. It's, it's completely different. And arguably, Arteta has had to work with less refined resources to do that. Do you know what I mean? He's had to, he's had to, take, he's had to take young talents that hadn't really established themselves and help them establish themselves in this team, and then it's help this team establish itself as a Premier League competitor. So, I don't know. I just think, you know, irrespective of what Conte has done, what he's doing right now is nothing compared to what Arteta is doing, and a lot of other top, a lot, a lot of other top managers as well. I think that's what, that's you fair. know, even to add on to Manikin, I think what makes you what makes him so special is the team is so young, and not only is the team young. He's young as well. So, you know, everyone's now looking at this Nagelsmann. This Nagelsmann. And this is... Whatever you want to say about this whole Pep thing, he's only been a manager for three years. And if, as an Arsenal fan, we know where we've come from. No one's going to... Everyone's going to say that he spent £380 million or whatever it is. But if we... If everyone looks at how we've spent the money and where... One is a necessity. Conte, Kane Hogg, Arteta, they've all spent pieces. We can't like they've had this peanuts. So right. I think what it is is what I think what people do they look at like what in relation to what other clubs have spent they've spent three hundred million pounds in the last three years and they you know they compare it to Arsenal but what we spent the money on the Ben Whites the Ramsdales etc etc which no one thought that would be good we've made it work with players that aren't 
weren't at a level. We didn't think they were at this level. And he's, as Gunner King said, but you know what? I, I look, Going back to your original point with the whole why I believed in Arteta is, look, I'm a school teacher. I work in a secondary school. I teach PE. That, I, I'm, a, I'm head of PE in my school. And you could compare me, who has been teaching for seven years, compared to someone who's maybe been teaching 25 years. Now, some might say I'm better teaching in my uh, school. You're feeling yourself. <laughs> not, not, not even just me. I'm just giving an example. It could be anybody. But the reason why I would say mm. that I maybe I might be better than another teacher is because even though they've had the years of experience, even though they've had all of these different things that have made them that really, really top-level teacher, it's just about years. It's about ages. It's about the types of the way you teach. We know that 25 years ago, people used to get beat with a rod in school. Now that doesn't work. It would never work yeah. in the school. So yeah. my way of teaching, people might grab something and, and injure you with something. There you go. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So when we think about Conte and Arteta thing, he's just washed now. That, and that's it. Like, he is washed. His ways, his methods, what he was doing at Juventus when he won, I think, three titles in a row. What he was doing at Chelsea, which was, what, four or five years ago. What he was doing at Inter Milan, it just doesn't work no more. And unfortunately, his methods, the way that he moves, it doesn't work. And you think about it, he has to have older players, experienced players. He can't work with younger players. It makes it more difficult at times to work with younger players because they are naive. What comes with naivety? inexperience what comes with inexperience making the wrong decisions Arteta's had to make sure that these players are ready week in and week out Saka's Martinelli's all of these players bro, ESR had to manage bro he's had a lot to manage man and that's why I think he's better than Conte man I honestly do I think Conte He's, he, he he got to the position where he got to last season through Arsenal's fault and that's what Spurs fans are saying now they're actually saying now yeah it's because of Arsenal's downfall and Look how it's turned out. I mean, that's a fair point. You raised some fair points. Again, playing purely devil's advocate. When I think, you know, managers have different principles, as you said, you know, you know what you, to go to the PE example, what you might decide as the, the philosophy around how you teach, someone might decide that as not really being important. And when I look at Conte, you kind of touched on it. He needs experienced players. It ain't worked out at Spurs. Do you think it's really fair to judge Conte versus Arteta on that, though? Because one is a young manager, as you said, we've committed to doing the youth thing. Spurs have committed to doing the winner thing. Conte's CV does have that with the one exception of Spurs. Is it necessarily fair to look at that premise then? Well, I look at it like this, yeah. Like, um, you know, Lee brought up like what's brought up on uh, our spend being like 380 million. Like Arteta has re rebuilt the spine of a whole team. Do you know what I mean? The defence, no, he's rebuilt. Not the spine. Not he's, the spine. He's, he's rebuilt the whole team. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, yeah. Like, so if you look, if you look at the defence, the back five, you know, that's all his. Apart mm. from like Tierney when he plays, but he's brought every other player in. The midfield, um, he had party there. He's brought in Odegaard. He's repositioned Xhaka. And, and obviously the attack, Saka was already there. Fair enough, Martinelli was, but, you know, started giving a minute. No, he's getting a new tune out of Xhaka, Saka and Saliba. You have to work with existing players. And I don't think Conte's done that actually as well. No. Good, good enough. <laughs> and I think yeah. like, Bless I think, like, thanks man. I think like when you look at how he's actually done this. Like, if you look at it by contrast, Tottenham came, um, when Conte came in, he's he didn't really need to rebuild the whole team. He had a perfectly good attack. Do you know what I mean? He had Son, he had Harry, Harry Kane. Okay, he added um, Kulisevsky. Kino, Romero, Bentacor. And, and that's that's and, my problem with him, because you got your you got your countrymen, he, or if they're not your country, your players from that division, and I didn't it, really see nothing. 
it could be argued that he inherited a squad in a better place. You know what I mean? With Harry Kane and Son, the numbers that they've been doing before he came in, like undeniably they were at a world-class level. Yeah? Like, whereas Arteta's come in, there's nothing there to work with. He's making players approach that world-class level now. You know, people are talking about Pai, Saka, Odegaard, like as, as being on the cusp, if not already there. Saliba, Saliba as well. Ben White, the, the season he's having, like, You've got a couple of players knocking on the door that, that probably 18 months, 12 months ago, people would have just laughed at. People or even to Odegaard when he joined in January on loan, said he's too lightweight, he's not built for this. And to go on your point, mm -hmm. add on to it, you know, that show, I, one thing I like about Arteta, I don't really want to praise a manager for it because you're paid to have foresight. But I think Arteta's foresight, you know, and everything he said, everything he said from the moment he joined the club to now is testament. Obviously, he had a plan for Odegaard. You know, you look at him now, no one can distribute. He's our captain, whether it's from how he plays to whatever Arteta wants. At a time, nobody could really see that. So Arteta could see the future. I weren't mm -hmm. against bringing in Benjamin White or Ramsdale. But at the time, if you asked me for a goalie or a right back or centre back or whatever he was, I wouldn't have said them. Ramsdale in particular, we didn't know how good he was with his feet. You know, maybe no. he didn't have to do that as previous club. So to add on and to how, it, how transformative that's been for the way we play as well. Exactly. Having that person, you know, that. We, we, we all knew that he would help the attack because of the likes of Sterling and Sane and Aguero. They came out and they, you know, waxed eulogies about him and said they made him, they made them better players, attacking wise. I think what he's done with Xhaka, and look, whatever you want to say, Emery didn't play him there, Wenger didn't play him there. And it was maybe most the most obvious thing to do because, you know, we, you know we, we've seen him there for Switzerland and we've seen what he does but he never ever played there for Arsenal and you've seen now now he can get goals you've seen that he can take shots from outside of the box you've seen that he Hiding can be a little bit as well it's, it's how he it's how he played at Gladbach as well before he came to us do you know what I mean and then he was bro, more, I think what more of a box player than his role is, Damn, bro, don't fix it sometimes I'd say big up Arteta for that he, I think also what we have to remember is he came in and he started playing three at the back why because he knew that he didn't have the players to play a way that was, that was conducive them, yeah, to him. Yeah. That was the thing for now. For them, say, whereas, like, he, he knew that he wanted to play the 4 3, 3 but we just didn't have the players. And everybody, you know, didn't see it at first, but now it's come to fruition. Whereas with Conte, no matter what, he plays three at the back, two in the midfield, and he does the same thing game in and game out. I was at the Even down to some of his work. subs, really. You think about the likes of Saliba, right? Look at the way he's handled the Saliba thing, which everybody thought was the wrong way of doing it. Everyone drew conclusions on, 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 on Saliba and Martin the rest of them. He, right. he doesn't like black people all of a sudden because he's getting rid of Saliba. We're going to lose his generation. <laughs> and, then, and then you look how Conte has handled Jed Spence. Bro, if that was Mourinho, fair, didn't him, him he kept saying that's a club no, signing. To be fair, to God, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I, I'm, doesn't I'm matter. with you. My it doesn't matter. But I'm wondering if a gaffer says I don't want remember, him. Remember, remember how Mourinho was lambasted and cast out because of how what, how he spoke to Luke Shaw and he called said that he's he has to control him on the pitch with his with the way he you know gives him instructions. That's the same thing that he, Conte has done. Basically, the same thing. There's no difference. He's out in, yeah, front, in the public. It doesn't really, it doesn't really like, you just, you know, there's a saying, you don't air your dirty laundry on the washing line. You know what I mean? Like, you you know, I'm all for my, I'm all for my manager being critical towards players when needed. But if, yeah, when you do it, in -house. yeah, when you do it in the public eye, you, you, you like create a higher level of scrutiny. Now, 
we live in the age of the internet, social media. Do you know what I mean? They don't live in a. Let's in be like, real as well. The players are softer now. Like let's let's we gotta be honest. They they don't they don't they you know they see all these things and it filters through to them. You know I think you just gotta know when to deal with the carrot and when to deal with the stick. And I think like managers like Conte and Mourinho like they've been very resistant to adapting to like this particular need yeah or like requirement that a more modern day footballer has like do i do i agree with it no i'm not saying like footballers are right for being this way but it's just a reality that the the footballers of this generation like they they don't they don't necessarily respond in the same way like to these kind of draconian managerial methods that players from older generations would have yeah, like you, they, you, there's got to be more of an element of that, especially when you're working with younger players, because they will make mistakes. Do you know what I mean? You have to kind of Arteta's had to pick players off the floor and and dust them off and and make them go again. You know, like you saw Martinelli the other day misses a penalty, scores the first goal against yeah, Palace next week. Yeah, well, the next uh, game there. Yeah. So you know, like it's creating this mental amongst very young players for me it, is a standalone quality for a manager to have so early on in their career as well. Do you know what I mean? Three look years. We lost, well, look what happened when we lost to Everton. He came out and he said, listen, I love my players. He, You know, he bigged up his players. He sli- we're going to come back. He knows when to do back. that and when not to. He I'll give our tell that. He's right, Whereas with Conte, look what he did against Burnley. Oh, the players this, the play last season, the players this, the players that. Cutting at the players, throwing the players under the bus. Hey, cut that out there. He talked about complaining. Finally, our life hits you in the face, man. This is where life like the whole it's eras. If Mourinho did it a few years back when he was at Chelsea, it could work because he had it was a different era and we had different kind of players. Now it doesn't work. And that's what I talk about the whole why I talk about the whole and teachers analogy. You have different yeah, teachers in different man. areas. I'm sure many people the way, the way, that, the way that someone who's been teaching 30 years ago, they wouldn't work now. Not to say that they're not good teachers, because they are, they know what they're doing, but it just wouldn't work now. And he is one of those players. And that's why then most of the teachers now, the older ones, they leave the profession because it's a young man's game. And you can't you can't move like that. You can't move in a certain way. You can't talk to people in a certain way. So for me, I, I, I knew from last season, even though he came in, even though he, you know, he got some decent results, it was not sustainable. We all said this. That was the word for Tell him again, it's not sustainable. But Thank you, Lee. Because I said that, you know, it just papering over cracks. And they, yeah. I was called a hater. It's it like, was. no, so you're jamming me, was, up the place and running away with it. The thing is, right, I'll be even when you look at that, like, not even just like the man management approach, if you look at it tactically, if you look at the managers that are succeeding now, yeah, there's a lot of JDP influence. There's a lot of uh, fluid player positioning, positional play, microsystems, situation, no situ- 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 situational drills, yeah, where you know where, what you're doing, wherever the ball is on certain areas of the pitch. There is this, like, in-depth layer, yeah, that tactically, like, managers like Pep and his lineage um, and, and like, the, the, they've kind of tapped into the... You know, he, he's still using the same formational and tactical setup that he used with Chelsea five years ago. He's not really adapting it that much. You know, three at the back, the wing backs that he relies on pushing forward a lot um, and, and kind of a narrow midfield that he floods. Do you know what I mean? With a main focal point as a striker. like He, he hasn't really adapted or like freshened up or, or done anything to kind of pick up or modernise 
the way that he sets teams up tactically, even like things like not buying a creative midfielder. You know, you got Basuma, you got like you, you got um, Hoiberg, you got Bentacore. How how many more kind of similar-ish kind of profile of deep line midfielders can you have? You know, like you 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 don't encourage creativity when the strongest part of your team is your attack. That's like that's these are just. These are just things that any outsider could see. Do you know what I mean? You got you got strikers like Harry Kane, you got Son, you add Kulusevski, Richarlison. We've seen what he can do for Brazil, and you're setting up teams conservative. What he's done in the Spurs, yeah. I he ain't scored in the league yet, man. Saliba might have to show him how to finish. I can't lie. We we might not have better like individual quality in terms of our front players, but we score way more goals than Tottenham. Because we've you know. We've got an attacking coach, and that's a great point. Yeah, that's the one thing I yeah. said with 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 Conte is a sense of there was a time, and I can't remember exactly when, but you couldn't see what Arteta necessarily wanted to do because it was too early. Then there became a time where evidently he's trying to play a way of football. Either players are making mistakes defensively, players are not efficient mm. in the final third. I know Conte's a proven winner and all of this jazz and Spurs at a point did get results and they still are on course for top four. Whether they're able to do that's another thing. But I couldn't see what Conte ball is concerned. I think when you look at, to be fair that's to it. Spurs, exactly, when you look at the owners and you look at everything around them, I do think at best a manager will only hit a certain ceiling before everything will either stagnate or go to the next level which we've seen at Spurs at this moment but I would say in Conte's defence and again you signed for the job so you knew what time it was I look at how Conte's I look at Conte and it, it could indirectly happen to Ten Hag if United don't buy into it Arteta, I'm sorry, Arsenal committed into Arteta and everything he wanted to do. You know, I don't know if, like, exaggeration, but Harry Kane at the time, you know, we all saw what happened to Aubameyang. If that was Harry Kane at Con with Conte, I don't know if the club would have backed him to the way that we did, alienating players, making tough decisions, sticking to your principles. And to be fair, when there was every reason to sack Mikel Arteta, respectfully, you know, keeping up with him. I don't think Conte's ever had that at Spurs, to be brutally honest. I just think the main point has been, as you two have said and alluded to, when they were winning, people would shut up about it. Because, And again, we've won some jammy games. There's always going to be jammy games, but they've done that nine times out of ten. And kind of what you were saying, Gunnar, Gunnar King, it's easy to read that Spurs team. You ain't got the best defenders, not in terms of quality and things, but they don't think. Your midfield doesn't provide creativity. They don't offer to take the ball off the centre-backs enough. That already stifles and cancels out your your front three, whether you got Son, Kane, Kulisevsky, etc. So I think regardless of the ownership and everything that Spurs fans might say, and I do think Conte, there's some luxuries he can hide behind, He's just not adapted. He's, you know, he sounded like a spoiled kid at times. And let's not act like they've not spent money. Cool, I'll give you the Spence one. Because for me, if a man says, from the minute a man signs and he says he's a club signing, club signing, he's clearly not convinced in training and he's not convinced on him anyways. But you got Perisic, you got Bentacore, you got Romero, you got Kuliseski, Dons that come for the Italian league and know your way of thinking. Okay, Richarlison, don't know why they spent 60 million, but we can't act like, you know, some managers wouldn't have bit your arm off to spend 60 million. Brought in Basuma where hindsight's mm -hmm. a wonderful thing. Everyone wanted him at one point. So mm -hmm. it's a mixed bag, but I can't, I don't think Conte's been backed, but at the same time, he has been backed and, I think statistically he's had the highest net spend of any manager in the last couple of years at Spurs. So I don't know what luxury you hide behind. Really. You know, the, other, the other part of it, me, the other part top, of it, top, needed a top to bottom rebuild. But he would like, I think for me, his whole rant the other day, Pete, Tottenham fans, like many of, the, of my friends, are like, we're, we're thankful for him that he's kind of laid to bear all of our troubles and stuff. And it's like, but. Where was the accountability for not adapting your tactics? You know, like if, if things aren't like the definition of insanity is is trying the same thing over and over again and expecting 
and expecting different results, yeah? People should know this mantra by now, yeah? It's very true, yeah? Like, you see him not changing stylistically how Tottenham is setting up when, when, when they're, you know, first, first big six game of the season, Chelsea, they were there for the taking. Oh, they celebrated a point. Terribly. Yeah, it's it's like, never it's there anymore. It's crazy. That's, that's their level. Do you know what I mean? Like All the big six clubs that they played against this season, we were told that we haven't got the experienced manager or the experienced players. So these were the games that we were going to struggle in. They've done terribly. They, they haven't beaten anyone, I don't think, in the big six this season. They might have so, grabbed a city, a city win recently to be... Oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah. The, yeah, the city win's the only one, yeah. But... I mean, it still remains that you're saying. I can't lie. It's, it's, it's just not good enough. Like uh, for, for me, most, yeah, like, I think the most important thing, yeah, the most important thing is listen. Spurs fans are deluded. They are. They literally are deluded. <laughs> they are the. They are the most annoying fan base ever. I did a stream with someone yesterday, and he believes that they only need four players, and that's where they're going wrong. They are so finished, and I, I think look, I'm sure we're going to move on, but like. They need at least seven or eight players to get back to the point where they can comfortably... Yeah. Come, starting quality ones, and then they need to look that, after the Yeah, thing. like, I think they need a the new thing. keeper. They probably need a new right-back. They need two... Thanks, Lloris, for when we went to your place, though, man. Keep But that's the fundamental thing, though. Like, Romero is overrated. You've got... I don't even rate Benton Core. I think Benton Core is good, but he's not that guy. He's all right. He's all right. He's all right. But the thing is, look, yeah... Fundamentally, yeah, yeah. even at that, yeah, ha having to make all of these changes, uh, with Paratici being in trouble now, they've got no director of football. So that means they, they might have to rebuild the backroom layer now. They're not going to buy... Look at what Chelsea did beginning of last season, yeah? Um, Bowley, got, Bowley, got, Bowley got rid of the backroom staff. So he started like, ad-libbing who they should sign in that summer window. You don't want him doing that. Do you know what I mean? If they've got to replace their backroom layer and they've got this rebuild on as well, What's going to come first? Do you know what I mean? Like they, they, they might get the staff in, but the staff are going to need time to kind of like build up a continuity and a rhythm and stuff as well. So it's, it's, not, it's not even just a case of the players. It's like, what sort of identity do they want to have going forward? What sort of style of play do they want to play? Because under Conte, I've not seen any evolution into how they play. Like, in, you know, from, you know, the beginning of the process, like with Man United, with Arsenal, you can see it. Like, Ten Hag is slowly making Man United more possession-based. That's and, why I said it's a case of I, if they I, buy I, into what Ten Hag wants off the field, because he can have all the ideas they need to do. They you need, can you know, see the catch-up off the field the to their rivals as well. Didn't, we didn't see any of that with Conte. We didn't see any of this progression. Do you know what I mean? Like this. And he made a point. He even had his Italian brother as a sporting director. So maybe them two haven't brought in the right players. Maybe they're being stifled by the owners. To be fair as well. Spare everything. Yeah. Good point. Spare everything. Lester, this Conte talk down, but wait, what's the timestamp? I'm trying to make timestamps for people. Obviously, let's get into some good news, man. I'm pretty sure you've seen Wenger's in before anything, you know, Wenger Hall of Fame, man. What do you lot make of that? I think it's well, it's well deserved and long overdue. Big up Alex Ferguson as well for that one. I mean, we, we don't need to talk about Alex, Alex Ferguson, but yeah, we talk about for me, listen, the guy that made Arsenal cool again. The guy that made Arsenal who they are today, the we can't discredit them. Listen, he is the father. He deserves a statue. One of the biggest yeah, figures there'll ever be in football, let alone the Premier League and Arsenal. In my opinion. When you think right. about like some 2016 to probably 2014, there was a lot of stuff that he was masking for the for the owners. There was obviously a backroom power struggle with the um, the, the, the Russian brother and obviously the Cronkies, which meant that he didn't have the money and stuff like that. So. 
listen, man, he still got us into the Champions League. He still was doing things behind the scenes. He was still getting us, get us, get us top four, top three at times. And listen, man, there was a couple of seasons where we were really close. The season where Aaron Ramsey broke his leg. I feel like we should have won the league then. That was the season. Um, Bro, when Eduardo busts his leg as well. Slyly, if, I know we banter Spurs, but slightly the, the Leicester season as well. It yeah. felt like we could do a thing in that for real. There you go. So look, for me, look, like I just I'm happy for the guy, man. Like, I'm not gonna lie, some of the stuff he says now, I'm a little bit like, yo, like you're going a bit left with it. Some yeah, with the FIFA thing he do. Father granddad moves a bit mad, Arsenal, man. But I love this guy, yeah, man. For Arsenal, I'm never gonna say anything negative about the guy, man. He made Arsenal cool, he made Arsenal black again. He made Arsenal want every London every Londoner wanna be part of Arsenal. Wanna bro, he's be the training, reason as much know. as Cruyff and all them guys, bro, right. like all them Spanish brothers, all Pep, Arteta, yeah, they can look at Pep and look at Cruyff and look at La Masia. Arsene yeah. Wenger is just up there as well when it comes to the beauty, capturing the beautiful stuff in football, let alone the the, the 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 beautiful stuff in 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 life and in humans. Wenger is Wenger's a mm. life teacher as much as a a, a, a magician mm. on a football pitch. The way he played football, and the way, me, as you said, he was an accountant and everything. Can't talk highly enough of this guy, bro. For me, the the one thing where it sticks out and I think is the most important is the season that we won the Invincibles, the season before that. He called this. He said that he believed that we can go unbeaten next season, and we did. So, bro, that just it looked makes at him it like he was a madman, but he knew something. It looked at him. There you go. There you he nearly, he nearly did it. He nearly did it twice as well. Because when we won the league in two thousand and two, we only lost one game. He said it. And let's remember, this is the first foreign gamma that came and gave Ven uh, uh, Sir Alex Ferguson problems. We don't have Pep, Klopp, Jose, all, all greats in the game, and Goats and all of that. Ranieri at Leicester. None of that happens without so, this man, man that in in the picture. Arsenal and Arsene Wenger were the first people in the world on domestic soil, yeah, to show that uh, dominant Man United and Alex Ferguson could bleed. And and the thing is, the rivalry they had after that, yeah. Like, man, to stop eating ketchup and that as well. All the sports seven, scientists, jazz as well. Crazy guy, man. Seven league titles, 40 a night, three, three to us, yeah. Like, when Liverpool and Man City fans try and talk about eras, they can't chat. Like, that is the era. That is the defining moment of the of the Premier League era. That that um, blockbuster showdown between Arsenal and United, Wenger and Sir Alex Ferguson, Vieira and Roy Keane. That was box office. Do you know what I mean? Right, the, the, right. The, the the Premier League is now the most watched league outside of its country and if any other league in the world. And it it came to being yeah, during this era. This era between those two, like when they were going at it, like that was it. That was my childhood, and like for me, like football peaked during that era in 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 uh, the Premier League for me, man. And, like it'll be good to see like that kind of like revived again, like just. And when kind we of made him come back to the Emirates, we won. We didn't do what certain men do with Alex Ferguson, making him witness seven nils and that. We don't do that. <laughs> don't we, we ain't gonna yeah. have Granddad in the cold like that. I know that much. Nah, man. So and yeah, man. It, well nice. deserved, man. It's, it is a bit annoying. It is a bit annoying that he didn't win maybe two or three more leagues. I feel that he should have. All right, all right Lee, let me stop you. Team. Let me stop you because I was planning to gear it there, yeah? As much as we're praising Wenger, and it's not to talk down on him and any of these things, yeah? Obviously, no man with a, is without faults. What would be your gripes with Arsene Wenger? Because mine would be, 
as much as I love him, I think maybe 2014, potentially when we beat Chelsea with Rob Holding, could have been time to step down. I think a bit like what we said with Conte, he was a bit stubborn and not that he didn't want to change because his football has changed since at Highbury, but I don't think he wanted to adapt to the modern day and certain principles. So, like, what would you lot's faults be with him and yeah, things like that? Because I do think there's a saying in life that says, you know, don't overstay your welcome to the point where you become a villain and... He could never be a villain to Arsenal fans, but you could see why that's that's making sense. Yeah. Do you know what? I, it, it would be between, you know, the the, the fact that you, he should have left probably after that Chelsea, Chelsea, even Aston Villa when we beat them in the FA Cup. Because I think what was the what the sad part of it is, you know, he left and it almost was a bit like he was hounded out a little bit. I remember in his last game, a lot of fans actually left the stadium because... Just didn't want to. They just didn't want to stay around because they were just so. They just felt like he just let he he was almost like bringing the club down and he was just destroying. He couldn't the separate Arsenal from Arsenal. I felt yeah, towards the end. There you go. At those times, so I think. I think. I think. I think. I think. For me, just I think. Just for me, I think the one way I think he he maybe let himself down is the Chelsea was it semi final against uh, Chelsea in the in Champions League. Losing that in the last minute, Wayne Bridge scored a last minute goal. I think he should have won a championship. Oh, with the teams the shoes, he had, yeah, with the teams he had, I feel like he should have won a Champions League. I think he was good you enough. You mentioned Lee Dyer like, as well before I cut you as well. For sure, as well, yeah. Like I think, I think he could have done more, but I think when you also consider like who, who, who he was competing against and the resources he was being given to do that, I mean, like, do you know? What I mean, he brought Ashley Cole from the academy. Like he brought like. Uh, Len, Lenman for like one a of his worst wins, I feel actually. Sold Campbell for three. You know I mean, like, yeah, like, I mean, he turned water into wine, like, so much. But I think, well, he turned that what? shit into Henny, but I can't, yeah. like, it's probably rare enough. In fact, stay away from that in current, in current day, if I'm honest. But, um, bro, I think like, what, what maybe let him down slightly, I think, for me, would be, um, I feel like he was a bit loyal to a fault to the establishment at Arsenal. Like, and you know, and to players that didn't deserve it, because that's his greatest gift and curse, I feel. You know, if you have someone like that believing in you, like, you know, how you see how you got these Arteta players buying into what Arteta's doing. If you if Wenger's got troops like that, whether they're the ones he had, the experienced ones or the young Gs, then I think it works. I think there was a lot of players who, quite frankly, took the piss, knew certain players would get scapegoated and knew Wenger, because he's been here for so long, because there was a lot of frustration, there was a lot of people he could run behind. And I do think that was a that was a curse of his, if I'm honest, one of his faults, potentially, but also his greatest bonus, essentially. Mm. So yeah. Lee, yeah. What was your point about yeah. league titles? Because I, I cut you off. I wanted to hear that about he should have potentially yeah, no, won. It's just, it's so annoying because you look at it and what Alex Ferguson's got thirteen in comparison oh. to Arsenal's three, and you know you've been there for twenty one years and you won three league titles. I feel like there was real there were real opportunities to hammer home some others. And look, Man United were a fantastic team. They had some fantastic teams. I, we can't discredit them, but they've done... Can't discredit that. They've done, they've done three titles in a row, twice. That is, an, you know, that is that is a clear three dominance. Peaks, and that's an envy of everybody. That's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a three, yeah, literally a three-peat twice, though. That is, that's a bit crazy. Massive. So I feel like there were, Not there were opportunities the for them to... They, they, there were opportunities to get at least, at least two more titles. And I feel like he should have done it. I don't even feel like the Leicester one because I feel like we have to give Leicester. I think when you actually look at that Leicester season, no, nah, don't bro, disrespect Leicester. Do their thing, but we said it was them versus Spurs, and they yeah, finished first. There you go. Second. 
I think that the season that we, you know, the Aaron Ramsey season when he got injured, that was definitely for us for, you know, us for the, to, to get a league title. I think the nine, 2000 and even the 2004, five, six season, I feel we should have, you know, got another league title. We were a very good team. And I just feel like, yeah, you know, that's, why, that that, that's why I think people, that's why I think people discredit the, the Invincibles because the next season we didn't, you know, we didn't live up to anywhere near. They say we had too many draws, distance. foolishness. There you go. So I just think, look, like overall, man, like he's a great manager, but he, he definitely did some things. But, you know, we talk about the league titles, but the Champions League did irk me because we did have some chances to do some good stuff. I, I remember well, was we like 17, 18 minutes from winning that and then UEFA alone and did what they do. But that, you know I what, though? That's forget a that. Story, you know what? We, we can't really because he didn't ask to get a red card, but I'm talking about actual other seasons where I feel like we had some... No, we did under the season that we played the season that we played bloody Liverpool, yeah? And we, what, was like a couple of minutes to going through. Adebayo scored a goal from Walcott crossing the ball in and then we go at the other end and we let them score another goal. Like We was a mad team them times there. And even that, I give credit to Wenger as well because, again, I share your point, your what you're saying. But when we look at that, we're in the Emirates because I always go back and watch the games. Like, I watched every messy goal he scored against us. That lad's disrespectful. But when you look at some of the players, yeah, I remember going to the North Camp where technically at a point we was through Wenger in terms of game management and stuff like that. But we're relatively competing with, let's be honest, some jolt men really and truly. Like you got a pensioner, Sylvester. He's got his walking stick getting twined. Almunia had some go okay moments, but generally wasn't good enough. And I think people really don't give Wenger the credit for that. And it's only when Arteta goes and succeeds and does what he needs to do, hopefully, that people will deep it. We've got the academy. We've got the stadium. Everything that this man set out to do, you know. And, it, and I think Wenger's own, the only lesson I learned from Arsene Wenger for me would be Learn when, for me in life, just learn when to separate your emotion and know when to leave. Because yeah. I think that's what Alex Ferguson had over him. He knew when to bust out, even though Ferguson didn't really leave United in the best of states. He knew when to leave. That brings me on to this question. Big up Christensen. And make sure you're subscribing, people, to both of them. And them, the links are in the description. Uh, do you feel, yeah, because I think this is a good comment in relation to Pep and Klopp. He somewhat sabotaged Arsenal by not leaving. Pep coming in would have got multiple leagues added. For me, I don't believe that. I agree with the premise. But when you look at, you know, Glazidis, what Kronke and that were on them times, Pep would have bust out. Pep's not to just say it's a money thing, but Pep got peas. You know, Liverpool did bought into Klopp. Wenger was just kind of covering over the, the cracks of the board. So I think the illusion is different from reality. We could have won something with Pep, but Pep would have bust out first time when he's saying, I need this and that. Yeah, like he would have needed, he would have needed to have been backed. And the power struggle between the Kronkes and the Usmanovs you know, post-2018, when you've seen them have full control, uh, you, you know, the, the Cronkies, it's been completely different. So, yeah, they, they probably would have had to have worked, whoever came in at that time would have worked under the same conditions. So, look, you have to credit Wenger for that. But I, feel, I do feel like Wenger could have ch challenged that status quo a bit more because he had that power and what that... Mean, what do you mean by that? He had that, he, he had that credit in the bank. He, he was Arsenal, do you know what I mean? Before Arsenal's successful eras under... Um, you know, like George Graham, like Arsenal were known differently. It was 1-0 to the Arsenal. There was very Only conservative. By the very, pragmatic, very pragmatic football. Arsene Wenger completely changed the identity of the club. You know, like he put them at the forefront of sports science, um, you know, dietitian in of, of all the coaching and training methods. Um, you know, he brought like tactically like uh, a, a jazz, yeah, to the way that we played, that the whole world wanted to watch. 
So he, he with that yeah, comes right. a, lot, some of the best a lot in the world. Only Barca could talk a, to us. A lot of power and influence, and he could have been laying bare to the Cronkies. You know, like look, you really need to pull your fingers out, and he could have put more pressure on them by sort of positioning that in the media to be like, look, you lot are judging me on my performances, but this is what I have to work with. And I don't feel he did that enough, like, you know, because he was too much of a company man. And you see a similar sort of thing happening with um, Klopp at Liverpool now, where he's, there's been so much early on success that he feels this, like, sense of loyalty that, that he owes to the club, you know, for giving him that kind of opportunity to have that success. But by the same token, you're being judged on being able to maintain that success. So you should be able to say, you know, like, look, the owners aren't doing their job. They're not like at this point, they're not. Their stewardship of the club needs to be brought into question. I just don't, I, I feel like I, it's not a gripe against Wenger because it's almost honor, honorable. Do you know what I mean? That, that sense of loyalty, is, that is part of who he is. But I do, that is one thing I do question about his like managerial career at Arsenal. You know, you like think, playing devil's advocate because you because you you just provoked a question. Do you feel it was a two way street? Because you know, as much as I like Wenger, there might have been certain things he'd done or was doing or how he was going about things. There might have been a pressure that ultimately would have led to him losing his job at another club where he did have for all he did well. There was a degree of luxury at Arsenal. The club was just cool with top four and whatnot. Do you feel like it was kind of a two way street? Then you know, I protect you, you protect me. I kind of get to not hide behind you, but. I'm not really pushed to do all of that. I think Wenger would have loved to have won league titles, but I do think it was a bit of a two-way street because as much as I love Arsene Wenger, he does like to tell us or did like to tell us all the time how I rejected Real Madrid, I rejected this, that and the third. You would have probably done well there, but ultimately, based on what you did show towards the end, you might have lost your job quicker than you, you got in the room there. Mm. I think I think when you think about though, like, yeah, he, he he sometimes, I think that, that got to the point where, that, that, those are the times when he was saying that, sorry, when it was nearing that point where it was teetering on between, we love Arsene Wenger, and he's starting to slide. I think that's when he started to make those comments, because I think that's what a lot of people were saying, do you remember, are you going to resign? Are you going to resign? Are you going to get players? And I think that's when the question started to come, and then he would sort of start to rebuffle, rebuttal so by saying things like, Yes, I could have gone to Real Madrid. I love this club. Da, 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 da. And I think it was that was the, that was a changing of all right, Arsene Wenger. You, we can't question you. You are the man. You are the the godfather of Arsenal. To right now, we need to start to look at you as a as an Arsenal manager and not as the manager of the whole of Arsenal. You didn't create this fan and you didn't foundate. You didn't make the foundation of this club. We were there before you, and I think that's where it was quite difficult. But listen, man. Now we can look back in hindsight. Listen, the guy is he's, he's an amazing person, amazing man. He's done some great things, changed people's lives, you know, all through a lot of players that you know people wouldn't know about the Colo Torres, Ebus. Well, even Ebus, before that, at Monaco, he taught George Way that white and black yeah. people could live it coexist. So that's why I always say when you think of Wenger, is capturing the niceness in humans and replicating that on a football pitch. That's why I think you have to judge managers on their principles because Wenger was a winner. He did want to win, but with for want of a better phrase, I don't think winning was everything to him. It was the beautifulness of this sport that regardless of whatever club we support and people in the comments, you know, it was about capturing that. Yeah, man. That, that, that attacking spirit, man. Like the way that we played football, like was just stylistically beyond. Like even you know, in that peak, 
you know, his first sort of 10 years or so, we were just blowing teams away. Like, we would go down, like, against teams. I remember we went, like, two, what, two down against Liverpool in the Invincible season. So I wouldn't. Yeah. You know, we've seen so, it all. Henry's going to do something, like, and he just would, like, in the way he set up teams, like, he just didn't fear, he didn't respect anyone, he wouldn't, like, bend or change his methods, like, to set up for a different team. He was like, this is how we're going to play. We're Arsenal Football Club. You know what I mean? We pick up the ball, we pass, we move, we create chances, we play the beautiful game the way it should be played, you know, like, and we, we go out on our shield that way, that is our standard, you know, like, and he created that, and that, that, that um, part of our ethos has transcended, it's lived on beyond his actual retirement. You know, like you see Arteta now and like you look at Arteta ball and you watch Wenger ball, you can see the throwbacks, you know, like... Even Martin Odegaard speaks about Arsenal like, Wenger and how he used to... Pop, he absolutely to see it. Do you know what I mean? Like he's, he's created that rubber stamp, that gold standard for Arsenal, right? For this is how we play football. We give youngsters a chance. Again, that's something Arteta's doing now. I feel like Arteta's reverted back to what made Wenger. And he said, you know what? We need to tap back into this. We need to go back to basics. We need to go back to roots. So I feel like Wenger created that beacon, you know, like for future generations of Arsenal managers to kind of really kind of look at and, and sort of like revert to as like the, at the core of our identity now, is, is who we are as a football club, you know, so... To have actually lived through that, yeah, like Amazing. as an Arsenal fan, because you can see the transformation. Do you know what I mean? From where we had come from with with uh, George Graham to Wenger until the end of it, and yeah, I, I can't speak highly enough of that, man. Like you said, yeah, can't, we can't speak highly enough of Arsene Wenger. Moving away from Arsene Wenger, because I see a lot of people are itching in the comments. Obviously, a few days ago, I'm sure you love covered it on your channels. I have as well. It looks like Bakayo Saka is ever closer to signing a contract of worth 15 million a season, around 300 grand a week, not as his base salary inclusive of bonuses. There's even talk in the chat about 120 million release clause. I can't confirm that. What do you lot make of him signing a new deal? Is there any concerns? Just what's your lot's thoughts on Saka potentially committing his future to the club? Listen, I think for me, I don't see what the issue is. I thought there was a whole load of chat yesterday about does he deserve it? Is it too much? He's only 21 That's why I'm years asking old. you. Like, I'm not involved. Listen, I've offered all my thoughts. Listen, this is you to take the floor, man. He's, he's 21 years old. He's come from the academy. So no matter what, I don't feel like any other non-Arsenal fan should have any opinion on it because you don't, don't know what it means to support a team that has a player that is on this amount of money. So it's got nothing to do with them, in, in, in truth. You can look from the outside in and saying, oh, he's only 21 years, old, 21 years old, but he's a made man if we win the league this season. He's carried this team when Jesus well, has gone out. He's because he's flipping carrying us every day. Listen, he's a, he was a free like transfer. He came, he came from the academy. And again, I don't, I don't look at him and think that he's going down. I only see a player that's going to go up and he's going to grow into that Mane yeah. sort of slala, slala. Listen, I'm looking at Robin Ribery trying to affect someone like him. Bless you, bro. So for me, I, I, I'm I'm happy with this with the money, man. And listen, I've said this and I'll say it and I'll say it over again. Football isn't about what you've done; it's about what you're gonna do, bro. If you believe this guy's gonna earn, uh, be worth that money, and he's gonna get us another league title, he's gonna get us to the Champions League and hopefully win it or whatever it is, that three hundred thousand pounds 
he's going to look like peanuts. Yeah. The lunch and how much will it cost to replace him? Someone that's going to do what he does today, not tomorrow, today. The, land, the landscape of football, three hundred thousand pounds in four years' time is going to be like nothing because you have to think about where football's going and how much money is in football. So what Mo Salah was on, I believe they're on similar amounts of money or whatever it is. He's got a contract that was a season and a half ago. But if he was to get like, a new contract now, he would probably ask for 360, 370, because that's the way that football works. That's business. So listen, I'm very, very happy, man. Like, this isn't a Walcott thing. I know we've been stung by this before with the likes of Adebayors and, and Urzels and Alexis's and all of those people. But listen, I'm very, very happy that he's signing. He's an Arsenal boy. You can see that he wants to die for this club. He works hard for this club. And hopefully... Listen, I mean, it looks to be good. So, whatever anyone wants to say about the fee, it is what it is, man. We're good. Listen, like his agents playing a blinder. I dread to think where this club would be without the emergence in the last three years of Bukayo Saka. Now, let's just go back to how that started, by the way, yeah, because we had Emery times left back the trenches. Yeah, he came through the trenches, right? So, what two, three left backs get injured in in one sitting? He gets brought in as a left-back. No left-back. I didn't even believe he was a right-winger. It's crazy. Yeah, no no left-back. And for the rest of the season, got their place back. Next season, he then finally gets um, a spot in the right-wing position. Let's not forget he had a stage playing centre-mid as well. He'd been everywhere. Right-wing-back against him as well. He starts getting picked for England. Apparently, he only gets picked for England because uh, uh, the player that I'm not going to name gets injured playing for England. He then goes to his first major international tournament. And, and he delivers, but he misses the penalty. He then comes back last season, has the best season of his career. Uh, uh, in terms of output, at this point of the season, he's already bettered what he did last yeah, season. Yeah, it makes you look at him and last year and think, oh, so, so if, if people are talking about the money, what you've seen is a guy that came, he had to break through, play in a position that's not even his natural one. He's never lost his place since. He's then been picked for England. He's never lost his place at national level. Since 21 years old, he's gone to two major international tournaments and performed at both of them. What more does he need to do? And he's like, doing the business week in, week out for a young player. Again, Saka's not the most exciting player in terms of skill set, but I think that's all tosh. I think players, fans get lost with all of that. The man is competent, he's confident, yeah. and he's consistent. And what I like about Saka is, for me, the penny's dropped for him. You know, he, believes, he believes he's going to get into goal-scoring positions and bag. And yeah. I think he's gone from that young, early teenager, early 20-year-olds to, oh, I'm playing with people that are playing on FIFA, to, no, I am a Premier League footballer in my own right. Good or bad moments do, do, do are going to And he take it my stride. You know, you know like, uh, if you look at like, all of his goals as well, like, I think like only three or four of his goals haven't been an equaliser or a match winner this exactly. season. Goal involvement. So, he's turning up at like big clutch moments. You look at all the big teams, his record against all the big teams. United, this Liverpool, Spurs, City last year. I don't think there's a big team he ain't bagged against. You know what's scary about, 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 about Saka and Mike? Do you know what's scary about Saka and Martinelli is because they're only 20, and even um, Saliba, because they're only 21, they're not even, they ain't even got their men body yet. They ain't got their man body. When, oh, they, start going gym, when they start going to gym and they skip them, their, their legs become bigger and chunkier, they start to get that kind of Lampard, Gerard, you know, those big quotes. Even Martin older than 24. But at 21, yeah. At 21. The short power gets better they become stronger they become that they can you know they're almost like they, they, they can have the same amount of skill but Lovely they can see the new 
But at, tw- at 21, yeah, at 21, Martinelli, Saka and Trossard in the month of March got 14 goal involvements. That was just, that's that's a, sprinkle, the other guys a, a little bit of experience. You sprinkle that amongst these young players, bro. And, and look what it's doing. It's lighting them up, bro. Like, I mean, how can you say, like, a player that is performing to this exceptional level, you know, like, doesn't deserve everything that's, like, coming his way? Like, Would you not say he's world-class? I think he's having a world-class... No doubt. is is The level he's been performing to this season, like, I'm struggling. I don't think you can name more than one or two players in his position in the world that are on the same level as him at the moment. On the right-hand side... Is, I, I want I want someone to try and name three. They won't get past two, uh, at best. I don't think, man. So you're saying he's having a world class season, not necessarily world class as a footballer yet. I think, you know, like, what are you saying into that as well? Because I just try to make sure specific, we catch the specifics. You, you, you know what? Yeah, I'll be honest with you. Like for me, I think it's very disingenuous to not say that he's world class, and I will tell you the reason why. He's done it at two two international tournaments. He's played against some of the top teams. Now, people are going to say he's not had the consistency in the Champions League. That's the only thing he's missing. Now, yeah, he's a what, people are saying, right? what people are saying right now is because he's not, he's not one, he's, I feel like they're, not, they're, not, they're saying that because he's not completed this season, even though we've only got 10 games left, that he's not world-class. I think that's just... He's in for a shout of player of the year, slash young player, he did, it, he, did it la- he did it last season. He's done it this season. He did it in the World Cup. He did it in the Euros. He's now the main man for England. No, not Harry Kane. Love not Jack Grealish. Nobody else. It is him so for, 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 for country so, and club. When you think about now the guy, he's come back. He's shown the world-class mentality. He's come up from England and he's got better. Not 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 like a Jaden Sancho. He's got better. You then think about, as Gunnar King said, what position? What player is better than him in his position? If you now, what I don't like to do is compare him to the likes of Salah because I don't think he should be because not only is he very young, but he's not done enough to. He's not got a catalogue of those players. But you compare him to someone like Salah. Yes, Salah's got better numbers, but overall, Salah has to score the goals for, for Liverpool. What, Saka, what, 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 was, what was Salah doing at twenty-one, bro? That's what you got to ask yourself. Well, like, you know what I mean? Like, respect yeah, to I'm not out here to disrespect Salah, but what I'm saying is, like, at 21, he weren't doing this. Do you know what I mean? Like, at 21 years old, at 21 years old, Saka is being spoken about as the benchmark, yeah, in world football for players in his position, like, amongst one or two other players. That is how he's been talked about. And it's not just in the Prem. People in Spain, people in Germany, people in France, Italy, like, they're all saying the same thing, you know, all over the world. People are saying, you know, like... Kim Kardashian wait. don't know these other wingers. She knows him, though. Leave, leave my guy alone, though. Keep there him on go. the rack off, man. And, and listen, because what? He, he, after he saw Kim K, he still won. So, listen, man, I, I he's beating even the curses, so... To me, look, I think he is world class. I think there's no there's no discussion needed. I think he deserves the money. I feel like he's done enough. He was great last season. He's now entering into a new stratosphere. But what I will say, what I will say is there are real cases as to why people don't think he's not world class just yet. And I don't necessarily disagree with them. I don't. I heard a, I heard a clip from Simon Jordan earlier on today. Right, we're not plugging them talk shite dons. Fair point. I will say that, but it was it was. I just there for engagement. 
Cards. He did make a good point. I would say that. So listen, man. Like, yeah, but yeah, listen. I think he's world class. I don't think that it's a it's a thing where I can't say he's not world class yet. He's done it on the international stage. You can't tell me that because he's done it in Champions League that he's not world class when he's done it on the international stage twice. So, in my opinion. Yeah, no, no. I don't. I don't hold his lack of Champions League experience against him. I just, I just want to see. Like, I think the consistent level that he started hitting, like, midway to three quarters towards the end of last season and this season, I just need to see that continuity over, like, a season, a season and a half period. Like, I'm seeing it. I'm seeing the strides he's taken. I think if I isolate his performances of this season, it's been world-class, like, in a sense for me. Like, if I'm saying someone is, is world-class, they're, like, in the top two, three like in their position in the world. Do you know what I mean? And he's been performing to that level. I just need that breadth of the work, like the consistency now. Like, and I think he'll get there. Like, like I think by the end of the season, like it's going to be difficult to deny it if he finishes on the sort of form he's been, been in throughout the season. But um, look, for me, he's like, he steps up, he takes responsibility. And, and because he, because he is like, he's been at Arsenal since he's eight years old. Like he's like Bukayo Saka, by the way. He's he, that's that's it. Like you know, like people come to the club now, the new players, and and they're going to him as like the standard bearer. Do you know what I mean? Like, what is it to be an Arsenal player? What like what are our histories, our traditions? What what's the philosophy? What's the ethos? What's the mindset of the club? Like, how does the manager want us to play? Like, you know, like everything that they would need to know. I think all the outsiders looking in at the moment, like even our biggest rivals. You know what I mean? I live in North yeah, London. I live in a lot, a lot of Spurs fans. Of his ability. Spurs, fans teammates as well. Spurs fans can't even hate him. I don't even meet Spurs fans that hate him like that. They're just like, you know what? Like, he's all the allegations. He's a wavy footballer. I can't lie. You lot might hate me, but I don't like, think he's world-class. You might hate me, but I don't think he's world-class. And why I, I think, don't I, think... I think he's on that cusp, as I was saying. Yeah, like, I just think... I don't even I, think he's on the cusp. I'll be, I'll be real, you know. I think he's... I think for, for for those that misunderstand me, I think he's on an upward trajectory. I think he's ahead of where he should be at his age. I think he's having a great season slash seasons. I think he's very close. He's scratching the service. But for me, I think world-class is thrown around way too early in this day and age for everybody. And it's just given to footballers too easily. That's nothing to do with Bukayo Saka. For me, I know it's a bit harsh, but historically, the world-classes for me are a Thierry Henry, a, a Lionel Messi. And again, I don't want to use Messi or Ronaldo as examples because they've gone beyond that. But that is the world class. And Saka is moving towards that because for me, for me to even consider this conversation, I need to have a degree of expectation. I am getting that with Saka. I don't think he's world class yet. But if he keeps doing this, he will be. He's a very, very, very good player. He's just outside the club. But for me, I don't think he's world class yet. And I don't the, think we should ban that on him, but he's not going to be able to get away with that from it. This is yet, the only thing like. what I'll say in disagreement. And I someone said this yesterday. I think you have different world class tiers for each era. So see, for me, I'm not really on none of that. Like I hear you with the everything, but like no, but you, if you're what, what, okay, hold on, what, what world class player today. No, no, but what I will say to you is I believe Saka could play in any era, but there are some players yeah, like could. there are some players who who, who have been world class for this that for that era? But you think about okay, look, let, let's think about See, this. For me, right? When they start getting into all of this, then no, 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 let me give it to you like this. No, I'm with you, many, but that's why I have to question my own logic because I agree with you. How many, how many world class players, how many world class strikers are there right now? There aren't many. There's none. You're, you're in the, the middle. But if, 
Yeah. But if you think about in the 90s, you think about the early 2000s, how there were Shevchenko's, there was bloody Henri's, Etu's, Drogba's. I could keep going on the, in the Italian league full of it. So what I'm saying to you right now is some people might say someone like Lukaku is world-class, but we know that he would struggle and he would struggle in many areas. But for this era, he might be classy. So sometimes I just think you have to look at the here and now. You can't keep comparing the different areas because... Then you start to lose because you know what someone would say? Henri's not world class to the, the whole Yo, um, Johan Kreis. That's what someone could say. Or they would say that he's not. On, you, do you see my whole point? So like, I just feel like no, I get your point. Very, it's I for what it's worth, I agree hard. with your logic. I just have to question my own, and I just think world class is thrown around too often. I agree with your point, especially about this era, because on current form, there's very little right wingers slash wingers, whether they play on the left or right, that can talk to him. Unless you're killing Mbappe at this moment in time, people of that ilk, maybe the Napoli brother, which Saka has been doing it longer and it would be a great conversation to have. There's very few. I just think it's thrown around too often. And I just, I think the more that Saka just keeps playing like this, the more it's a conversation. I think he's very, very, very good. I think he's on that trajectory. I think he's just on the cusp of being outside. Oh, he's just outside of, he's on the cusp, but I just need it to continue really and truly. I just, that's just me and I just think this world-class thing is thrown around. I don't think it helps Saka, but as I said, it's not going to, Saka can't escape it, bro. Like the more you keep, you know, everything that you're getting in terms of the money we're talking about, potential release clause, it's because you're doing the business on the field. And what I like about Saka in, in a uh, comparison to other youngsters, like I'm a big fan of Jaden Sancho, for example, but them are not doing it. Like they've not do, they're not doing it. They've got like, this is what I mean. There's, and it's not an attack on Sancho because I want him to play well as much as I can for United player. I think all these players got these fancy skills and all these things, but their decision-making, their competencies, their confidence in front of goal, damn right, their consistency across, across the course of a season, it's not there. So Saka is, has, has a strong debate of being that. But for it's me, I don't think he's there yet. It's the mental resilience of the guy as well, though. Mental like, resilience. What what he went through with the Euros, like the 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 blowback from that, Rashford on that as well, like, bounced back strong from that as well. They, they've all they've like they're all bouncing back from it. Sancho's taken a bit longer, but I think he'll get there as well. And I, I feel the same about Sancho and Rashford for the same reasons. You know what I mean? Because like they they, they all experience that together. But you, I think what Sancho just needs an arm around the shoulder and the penny will drop. But he needs yeah, to well, get, it, get it with it himself. What you've seen with Saka though is just like an immediate response. Do you know what I mean? From that moment, it seems like that was his career-defining moment where he just he just decided to go savage after that moment. Like it's like he went to another dimension. Like, he just literally like he went to the hyperbolic time chamber, yeah, and he just did some training. Oh yeah, you know them ones, the Dragon Ball Z ones, isn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, the, 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 the Saiyans are building up their strength and that. Yeah, this is what this man did. Yeah, he stepped into that hyperbolic time chamber. He like just he did he did all these drills and he just Selected come out. The Dragon Balls and then used it on Martinelli, man. We need to use it on Smith Rowe next again. Then we're good. And, that, and now he's just he's just got on a mission, bro. Like do you know what I mean? Just just literally just has not stopped since that moment at all. Who's got a you higher know? ceiling for you, him or him or Odegaard? And I only ask because. I don't think anybody gives credit to Martin Odegaard in terms of the scope he can go. I know he's got three years on Saka and that, but and I know it's you know Odegaard is scoring, but he's not going to live or die by goals like Saka as a wide man. But I think personally it's close, and I really think people discount not only as a great signing Odegaard's been for thirty odd million. Quid, I think, you know, I've, I've think Odegaard's. Are, I've said I've said for a while. I think Odegaard's our best player at the moment. People will look at the yeah. goals and assists of Saka and everything, yeah. But but the thing is, like for me. A player that can be the glue. Like, he's the conduit, yeah, in all phases of play between, like, 
the earlier phase build-up, yeah, defence and midfield, picking up the ball, progressing it into midfield. Then he can get into the midfield and the final third, progress it there. He's starting to add goals to his game in that area as well. When we lose the ball in all of these areas, whatever phase of build-up it is, if we lose the ball in any of those phases, he's the guy that's pressing to win the ball back at the same time. Do you know what I mean? Like, I just feel like his impact here, yeah, Odegaard's on the team as like a whole is, is more, is more continual and ongoing. Do you know what I mean? Saka's putting the finishes on. I, Saka does a lot of work defensively as well. Don't get me wrong, but I feel like Odegaard is like, he puts, he, he's the conductor, bro. Do you know what I mean? Like without a conductor, bro, you ain't got no symphony. Yeah, 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 yeah. If the train don't have a, if the train, well, the trains are, they don't even need a driver now, but nine times out of ten, if there's not a driver or someone controlling the course of the train, then there's going to be no direction, which could be uh, alluded to Arsenal previously, is not so much now. I can't confirm this because I haven't seen it in any of the reports and stuff, but indirectly, you know, apparently, you know, a couple of people are commenting about this 120 million release clause. I don't, I'll be very surprised if that is written into his contract, especially with the game, the way the game is going and the money spent on players. I think Arsenal would be doing themselves a disservice and the way Saka is going 120 million arguably one day could look like a bargain what do you lot make of what the fans are saying allegedly about there's a release clause unless that's some indirect sort of agreement with an agent I'm not here for it that's written into his contract forget all of that I don't so think it would be like I, I, I don't believe it just because I just I, firstly I think it's too low and secondly I just think that Arsenal are moving in a different stratosphere now. I don't feel like we we would even put that in there because we're not a small club. And I said this yesterday, I think people need to start changing their mind about, you know, Arsenal ain't this banter club no more. We ain't going nowhere. We've got a very young team. We've got a great manager. And we are going to be, you know, in a position where we don't need to have these clauses in there. So I, I just don't believe that, man. I really don't. Fair, fair, fair. I, I, I think for me, yeah, like... Look, you know, he, he's got done interviews when he's spoken about his dad getting him into like Arsenal, do you know what I mean? Before he even played for us, you know, he's he's come from an Arsenal background. He's an Arsenal fan. He's an Arsenal boy. You know, he's come from our youth ranks. You know, like we've given him the keys to the city. He's got everything he wants here. I don't like, I've never seen any doubt in his mind. Like even when we were in the mud, when we were in the trenches, the last contract renewal, Liverpool came in for him and Liverpool were in, they were living their best life. And they said, yo, come. And he was like, you know what? Nah, like I could leave Arsenal right now and no one would begrudge me because Arsenal aren't in their best moment. But I'm going to stay here and I'm going to I'm going to put this club on the back, on my back, and I'm going to drag it back to where it needs to be. Like, and he's I don't think he would do all that to put like a release clause in his contract. It just it doesn't like it's mental gymnastics involved for me trying to put those two together. Do you see what I mean? Like I, he's wanted to stay at this club. He's made no secret of it. Do you know what I mean? I think Everything with the club at the moment, the manager, the relationship with the fans, do you know what I mean? The other players, the players that we're bringing in, the quality, it's all in an upward trajectory. I just don't see why he would insist on that being there. Like Arsenal have never, historically, by the way, stood in the, in the way of players wanting to leave. When Henri wanted to leave, we let him. When Fabregas wanted to leave, we let him. When Van Persie wanted to leave, to be fair, we put up a lot of fights against Patrick Vieira whenever he used to flirt with Real Madrid and Alex Ferguson. I, I mean, lie. yeah. But, like, ultimately, you know, like, I don't think he, he would feel in danger of us doing that to him. But I don't think he, yeah, he's got no reason to want to leave at the moment. You know, like, and I think, you know, the last one's going to be Saliba. And then all of our contracts are tied down for, like, the foreseeable, like, 20, 28, 
2030. Yeah, I think I think we got to deal with Balogun 2025, Odegaard 2025, Lal Tavares 2025, Balogun 2025. So there's we're never going to be done. But I hear you. If we can get the nucleus of these players done, you'd imagine you, you know Granite, Ramsdale, Benjamin White. Just based on what we report, they're they're nat naturally the next to filter in. So we need to protect these players. Would you lot make a Declan Rice? He's come out today once again. Nothing new that Declan Rice is our number one target this summer. And there's growing confidence at the club that we can win the race to sign him at mid competition from both from both Manchester clubs and obviously Chelsea. You know what? It's a tough one, man, because I like Declan Rice, but I would prefer someone else. I really would prefer someone else. And it's no shame on him if we did, you know, we did get someone else. But I think it's hard because what I think he is at West Ham, I don't think he'll be used for at Arsenal. So I think Arsenal... Ar Ar yeah, he'll Ar have to change. Out of curiosity, who do you want instead of him? Caicedo. I think I I think that I could the Caicedo one is like for me, bro. Like, I for me, as I said, I think with Caicedo, I feel very confident about winning the Champions League, bro. I think he's that good, man. I I can't you know I can't just how good he is. Do you man. know why? That's, that's not a disrespect to Declan. I think Declan. What I like about him is he's almost like a player that can play two positions. So you're buying two players in the space of one player, but uh, yeah, look, I, I like him. But I think there are other players on the continent that can do what he does. But I think Caicedo is the one that we should be putting all the money in for. Uh, to be uh, fair, though, couldn't uh, you say uh, Caicedo's skill set? The same could be said. Yeah, like, he, he can play. Know. He can play as an eight or a ten as well. But Surely I think the Rice, on basis of what we've seen, has probably got more to his gear, which I don't necessarily agree with. Just being devil's advocate, the re the reason why I would why I would personally prefer Rice over Caicedo, and look, you know, I think. There, there, there could be arguments for certain elements of Caicedo's game, you know, like his athleticism, you know, maybe elements of his technique are better. But for me, Rice, Rice is a leader. You know, like when you look at West Ham, you know, like he's he's kind of like he led them to Europe. And um, for such a young guy. Caicedo is as well, to be fair, based on his yeah, upbringing. I mean, like, is he, is he like a Rice is a those comments no, no, no. West Ham the other day. Is he a leader? But look, look I think look yeah, for I me, he's a leader, man, in I his own way. Like, I think they both leadership qualities, man. I don't think you can pick that against each other. Sure, one's got the captain's band, and let's be honest, Brighton look a lot better collectively than West Ham. So naturally, Rice is going to shine. But I think based on Caicedo's upbringing, definitely a leader. And I think based on what you see, no, I'm Rice saying West definitely Rice. got leaders. I think, I think, Rice, I think Rice, Rice has been given the responsibility of of leader very early, like. 22 years old, he's given the armband of West Ham, right? You know, like, they're not, they're, all right, they're not our size, but that is massive for a 22-year-old, you know what I mean? Like, he's, you know, to be getting caps and playing at a major international tournament. Again, at the Euros, I think he was one of our better players, so, you know, when he, when he played as well. Like, he's done it on that stage. And I think when you look at our system um, and you look at, like, the, the requirements that, um, that you need defensively when we go into our two shape. Like the two freeze kind of setups where you need to be able to like cover like the breadth of the pitch as well. Like you need to be able to um, have the energy to move horizontally as well as like behind you if the ball gets played in behind you. And he's got good mobility. He's like, he's able to do that, you know, like, and I think what he's got better at as well, to be fair, what he's got better at over the years is how he actually uses the ball. I think Declan Rice now is a lot more assured when he carries the ball. And when he passes the ball into the final third as well, he's looking for that forward pass a bit more. And I think, like, 
having like an English nucleus as well, like to to our team, like that would appeal to me as well. Like if you're can bringing in Saka, Mefro, Ben White, Ramsdale, do you know what I mean? Like I kind of like can that. I you, can, I ask, can I ask you both a question though? If Rice was playing in Germany and he was a, let's say he was from, he was playing in Germany, but he was Dutch, would you be that hyped on him? Yeah, because for me, I don't look at all of that. Like I don't do all of that Premier League preview. If you're a good footballer, I don't really care where you're from, really. If I, I think you because he's English and he plays West Ham and he plays down the road. I think that's why naturally I think you're the captain, and that we all know what West Ham are gonna are gonna do, really. You know, I, think, I, 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 really, I don't think I don't think he's that good. I'll be honest with you. I think we need so, more. Lead, I do. I think we do need more leaders, though. Like why up don't and cut that Because I don't think you're necessarily wrong, but just trying for just trying to I, delve on into the ball, on the ball on the ball on the ball. I don't think he's that great. I think that that over him being. I think him being. Mobile is overplayed because he's quite big in his stature, but I don't think on the ball and the way he moves is actually great. I see a lot of you think he's less whole... mobile than granite. I mean, potato, potato. I don't feel like there's much difference. I think you're gonna be arse, man. Oh, he's a lot more I, I, mobile I than Jack. I don't, so but remember, Jack is like, let's be real, let's just give it, give it the credit that when he was when he first came to the league at what 24. Jacker was up and down the pitch. He was a proper boxer box. Jacker's always anyway, been up and down the pitch to be yeah, real. Uh, yeah, I think Declan's got that over him now, though, man. Surely, yeah, like. yeah, now, now. But what I'm saying is, oh, look, look, I don't want to get into the small things. Look, I'm not saying he's a crap player. I just think that as well. My, my last thing is, is he good enough in a possession-based team? Because I've not seen him in a possession-based team. I've not seen him being... I mean, that's a genuine concern and one that I have as well. The only luxury I have with that bro, is Arteta must have a plan I don't, for that. I don't think that... I'm, I don't feel like this guy is like the, the difference maker, bro. I, that's what... I feel like when I look at Caicedo, I'm like... You so why do you think he's a difference maker? Is it because with Caicedo, you more know what you're kind of getting with him versus with Rice? It's more the illusion of him being crafted into this game. There you go. Like I'm looking at Caicedo and I'm like, look, I see you are a six and you're that six that's going to win the ball back and you can pass the ball and you're progressive with the ball forward. I've seen you take shots or get long shots against Man United and scores goal. I've seen you get crazy assists against Liverpool. I've seen him do this and he's doing it in a team who played good football? They played the football like that. If, if uh, apart from Arsenal, yeah, Brighton's football is more aligned to Arsenal's than West Ham. What I'm that's saying true. is, he's mobile, he's strong, he's only going to get better. So is Declan Rice as well. But I just think that he's so specialised in his position as a six. Whereas I think with with the likes of Declan, I look at you. You can play centre back. You can play six. You can play eight. But what are you a master in? And maybe sometimes I'm a little Probably bit a like six right now. But then yeah. again, you could argue at 24, this is now his age because you've got Martin Odegaard who's been here yeah. for a couple of years now and he's still discovering himself. In fact, even Jesus, not a single player really. But, you know, even Zinchenko, you know, you're playing left back. Yes, is that what you're going to do? For me, no, for me, for me, like, for me yeah, like Arteta, yeah, very quickly, yeah. Arteta, I think if you've noticed a hallmark of the players that he's brought in, he's brought in players that are malleable to more than one position. Like, and what that gives us, yeah, is... You, you've got a quality addition, but, but you've also got... No, but, but wait, hang on, hang on, if I may, yeah? You've also got that depth with that quality. Do you know what I mean? Like, so for me, both Caicedo and Declan Rice, if we were to bring in either one of them, I, I could see them playing in that sixth position that uh, Partey plays. I could see them playing in the eighth position that Xhaka plays. Like, they could both do that. Do you know what I mean? Like, they, yes. they both well, got... 
the, the, the rounded capabilities, like defensively and going forward, to be able to do that. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I just think, I just think, I just think Rice's game, yeah, is a is a bit more developed. I feel like Arsenal at this stage, we have built up a lot of projects, and we still have projects that are ongoing within our team at the moment. I feel like Declan's game is here. Kaiseido may have a higher ceiling, but he's still like not as far developed as Declan Rice is in terms of like his, his player development. Do you know what I mean? And I feel like I feel like Arsenal need to tip the balance more in favour of players that are closer to their prime. We like I think what we run the danger of yeah is if we do bring in too many players that aren't that are a bit further away from their prime. Which is I'm not saying we shouldn't do it, but if you have too many of those players, like it's too much to do to develop the squad when they're all trying to do that together at once. You don't want too many players doing that, like trying to near their prime. You want, you want to bring in some that are already like closer to that point so they can kind of like immediately impact and tip you over and take you to that next level a like, little bit quicker. And I think that's why I look at Rice over Caicedo at the moment as the more viable option of the two. Lee, what was you going to say? No, I, I couldn't be further from the truth. I think I say it was better than Rice right now. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I honestly, I don't see the hype. I don't I think, think neither of so, you are wrong for what it's worth. This interesting. Point, I think he's, I think he's, I think Rice is above bang average. I think he's above bang average. I think he's, as I said, his English bias makes him. And, and look, we're going to don't talk about this England stuff because Calvin Phillips plays for England, Maguire plays for England, Henderson plays for England. So I don't want to hear no nonsense fair, that's about it. That, to be fair, though, Lee, man, that is Southgate moving mad or doing whatever. Yeah, but doing. my point what is, I would is say, kind of in your defensely, is Rice is the piano pusher to the player. You're next to Bellingham, who's not exactly showing his expansiveness for England as as good as he is. You're the, the, the to muck in, really. You're like I, the I, bouncer, I, I, so. I thought I thought Rice was excellent the other day against Italy. In the first half, in the first half, he was, he was, he was really good. I thought. But then again, I can't. Me, look, I, yeah. I, just, what you I, I really do think that. And then I think when you look at this, like he's a leader. He ain't a leader. Just because you're captain, don't mean you're leader. There's different types of leaders as well. Just because you're the best player. Just because you're the best player for your team and you're made captain, don't make you a leader. Was he a leader when he called out the fans the other day? Was that leadership? Because I don't think that was I leadership. I think so. That's take Well, look, that's not At the end of the day, look, we can say Jacques did, Jacques did something similar. Do you know what I mean? Like, where, like, okay, exactly. like, exactly. leaders. Yeah, what do we want with him? Well, hold on, hold no, on, but, look, hold on. Hang on, hang on. What I'm trying to say is, yeah, like, like sometimes the hallmark of leadership is to be like, like, uh, DGG said, yeah, to be like that outspoken character where you are like, you remove the filter because you say things that needed to be said. Now, look at Jacques last season when, 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 we lost, when we lost the Spurs, he came out and he was like, Look, if you don't want to play for this club, get out of it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you know, it's obvious that some some players weren't up for it. And, like, everyone at the time was like, you know what, Xhaka, like, why are you coming out with this? But, like, for me, there is that accountability element. Do you know what I mean? Where Rice, like, I see him a lot speaking after good games, after bad games as well. Do you know what I mean? He's always stepping up and wanting to, like, actually hold account to how him and West Ham are doing. Like, I have noticed that about him. Do you know what I mean? Like, 
that for me shows leadership. You know what I mean? Comments, man. But why, why don't why don't you think he's a leader? Because if I say Odegaard, Zinchenko, Xhaka, Partey, Benjamin White, even who doesn't get given enough credit, Ramsdale, there's all different sorts of leaders at Arsenal. Some man lead by example, yeah, some yeah. man will shout at you. How is he not a leader? What I'm saying is these players, the older guard, the Tierney's as well, they've earned that position. I feel that Rice has been given it because he's just the best player. We spoke about it when um, who else would they have given it to? There was nobody else. So he's got that captain's armband out of a default position. And as I said to you, he took it off the Noble to be fair. I don't know. Look, look. He's taken it from Mark Noble. He's got like the most appearances for West Ham, right? Oh, elite, elite. Let me just, let me just, let me, let me, let me just say some other things. Let me, let me. Someone get the popcorn, man. Let me say some other things, yeah, right? West Ham have got no place competing in Europe, bro. Let's be real. None, zero. You can say what you want about the Conference League. The season before it was the, uh, you, it was Europa. Yeah, West Ham, considering two seasons ago, were like, like one disallowed goal away from being relegated. Like, they had no place being there. And his rise to prominence in their midfield dovetails with them, like, achieving this. Like, in, like West Ham are on our side, yeah? So, for them, if you consider competing in Europe, that's, like, probably their hallmark achievement in the Premier League era, bro. And at the time, he was one of the main midfielders and the leaders in that midfield that, that, that like, achieves that. Like, I don't, I don't know how you remove leadership credentials from him helping West Ham attain that. Okay, they might have fallen off after that. Because young G as well. We didn't see the level of investment post that time that you would see I'm, at one I'm of the big I don't get how you can see him do all of that and be like, there's not a leader there somewhere. Like I don't, I just what I'm trying to explain to you is but I don't think you're like taking in is he's got the armband because there was nobody else. He's the best player. He was the only option. They had nobody else. So just because he's been given an arm, maybe he was given a piece of bad in English. In that it's a bit hard. What I'm trying to say is no, 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 Zuma. Let Lee say, let Lee say his piece in defense, man. Car, I, no, I don't that's think what both of you are right. I'm, I'm just, I'm I think that's a great debate. After Noble, after Noble, and look, we have to put into context. It was Noble who had to cut, he had to put the captain's armband. Who else are they going to go to? They're going to probably go to the next, next, next in line Englishman because it's an East London club. It made sense. Who else? No, they weren't going to give it to Zuma. Zuma just came in. It didn't really make sense for them to give it. And I know Odegaard just came in, but what I'm saying to you is, it just made sense to give it to Rice. He's the best player. I don't think you're wrong with that. Look, you're talking about charity captains. I think you're giving up. He's coming up with these examples. You're giving out all these examples as to why he's a leader. When I say to you, oh, well, like, he just did the other thing the other day against Brighton when they got absolutely popped from pillar to post and he's coming out here slandering the fans and all that stuff. That's not leader. That's not a leader because when I look at it, if Xhaka did that, no matter what no one says, people would be like, how dare you say that? You, you ain't in the position oh, no, to say that. You can go Rice, back on my YouTube channel. I Rice, rated it when Xhaka did it. Rice, you ain't in the position to do that when you are dropping threes and twos out of tens. You can't say that, my brother, my guy. You ain't the best player in the pitch because you are as bad as and as culpable in that loss as everybody else. And that's where I leave it. But listen, man, I'm not saying that he's crap. I'm not saying he's not good. I just think that there's an English guy because he's English. As I said, he plays for West Ham and everyone's like, oh, he gets this step up. When I, if I go to Germany, if I go to France, I can see... 
15 players that are better than him in his position. And I feel like there's too many players that can be necessarily wrong in that shopping smart. And that's my point. But I feel with Kaiseido, there aren't many players that are better than him. I, I think Kaiseido, I and I think people aren't. I think at this moment, time we can find both really. I don't think you're wrong. Do you know what? I think you lot are both. I think you lot are both right. Only time will tell. I don't think either player immediately, if they sign today, improves us necessarily, but it's more years to come. To kind of wrap this up, obviously, you know, you've seen the headline in relation to Balogun. Apparently, Arsenal hold talks with Balogun in the summer of his future. We knew that. But I thought an interesting part of this was the club have scouted players in that mode recently, tracking Dominic Calvert-Lewin, Dusan Vlahovic, Tammy Abraham and Victor Osimhen. And it's also spoken about Hoijlin. And then the article went on to say, signing a tall, powerful striker would add a different dimension to Arsenal's attack. Where are you lot at with that to round this up? Oh, I mean, um, I'm, I'm a bit tight. I feel like um, what's clear, like, because we've, like, intentionally, like, been linked to or gone in or shown interest in these players that Arteta, as you said, does want a profile of a striker that um, is a bit more physical, uh, that, that, that has a bit more kind of like hold up, overall link up play to their game as well. I really like that Rasmus Holland, Hodgland guy. Uh, I'm managing Atlanta on my uh, football manager at the moment because of this guy. You know that he's a baller, bro. Like, and uh, I've seen us being linked to him in the last few days. He excites me a lot. Um, the question for me begs, though, like, with strikers we got on our books, we kept Niketia, give him in a big contract. Now, um, you know, obviously, um, you know, Balogun's doing really well on loan. Like, how many can we envisage keeping? I can't I don't lie. Think we're going to bring in someone better than both of them. I'm for it. You know, as much as I want both of them to get an opportunity and stuff like that, another a better striker gives us another dimension. And we've got to be cruel to be kind, isn't it? Like, I would love everyone to get suitable minutes, every Haylander to make it. And for what no. it's worth, I want to give Balogun a chance. But if Arteta has even the smallest inkling that he can sign a striker to give us a new dimension, if Edu feels even there's a smallest chance of bringing in someone, not so much Dominic Calvert-Lewin or Tammy Abraham, but if you could get Vlahovic, regardless of his season, what he's doing, if you could get Hojlin, if you could get Osimhen, even though I think the jury's still out on him as great as he is, or any other striker who gives us something different, I'm not going to sit here and say that I I'm not for it, really. I can't that, lie. That, that Rasmus Hodgson guy, he really suits the way we play, bro. Like, I don't know if you guys ain't checked him out. You should check him out, no, man. Just signed for Atalanta, really. Just got his foot under the door, really. Yeah. You know, like... I, I, listen, I, I, as I, we spoke about it before, I think that he, we should keep Enketia and I think we should keep Balogun. I think there's enough games, enough rotation. Jesus isn't going to play the game. I know he's a number one striker. He's not going to play the game. Balogun's going to get minutes. Trossard is about to be there. We know what he can do. Trossard can turn the left. Now we know we've seen that. And Martin, we know that he can you know, go down the middle if, if needs be. It's horses and horses, man, and that's what we want. I don't feel like we should just get straight away, man. So, listen, I think we need to keep we need to keep all of our players. I don't so, think so, so, so let me let me ask you this, yeah, to be specific. Again, I, I I agree with you. But if he was presented the chance, let's not put a name on a striker. A striker that evidently, I don't know, he brings us Harry Kane's amount of goals or whatever. A striker that evidently scores or giving Balogun a chance. I know he's harsh and I, I know it's not either or. Would you be more for seeing um, Balogun or going for a proven striker that would add to what we're doing? Especially because we're in the championship. Oh, I mean, if you're, if, you're, if, you're, if you're saying guaranteed Harry Kane amount of goals, oh, well, I mean, yeah, that's obvious. Yeah, I'm going to take that option. But... Like we don't know, we don't know, and uh, what what striker is going to come in knowing that he's probably going to be behind, 
behind Jesus. And is that going to upset the, um, the, the apple cart with um, Jesus? So I think another thing, just keep the young players there who know that they're going to fight and develop at Arsenal because you know you're not going to probably get these experienced players because they're not going to come in and, you know, produce what we need. Yeah, so I don't think we I should think... get rid of Balogun unless there's an offer too good. Mm. Like 60 million, then yeah, I'll be like, yeah, okay, cool. Yeah, right. something dumb, then yeah. But what I do I, I, think I, I, is confirm into a new deal 2025 contract, give him yeah. that. Contract. I want, I want Balogun to be given a chance. I don't think you can see what if we look at like what Saliba did in the French league, like the last two seasons, to what he's doing now. I think like we're really onto something with this development path that we're making players go through where they go in France, like they, they cut their teeth, they, they, they earn their stripes there and then they come here and they're ready to hit the ground running. And I think, as Lee said, now that we're going we're gonna to have Champions League games, uh, we're going to have the domestic cup competitions back. I think like, there's going to be enough games going round to, to give them a chance, see what you can do, like give them till January or till the end of the season. Um, I think for me, keeping Niketia and Balogun, I would veer towards choosing to keep one of them and looking to bring in an upgrade of a striker. That's that's, right, the like, thing. that's the thing, though, because I think, right. you know, I don't think any player is unhappy to sit on the bench. And it's not, it's, it's not just a perspective of upgrade. It's like, I feel like Balogun, Niketia and Jesus, a, there's a lot of similar qualities there. Like, the re, you know, reliance on pace and, like, good enough, like, on the ball and stuff. But, like, I think having more of a traditional number nine, like, these guys are, like, more, like, false nines. Niketia is, like, a poacher, you know, kind of service reliance striker, but like having like a, a, a complete forward, do you know what I mean? Like someone like a, a Drogba or, or, you know, a Vlaovic. See these guys that can kind of hold up, like do a bit of everything on their own. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I'm, there, there, there is an appeal to that, like in like just seeing how we play in it and just being like, could that be something that would give us more of an edge in certain games? Generally, That's, it would be. I, I think right. Eddie and Ketty is more likely to want to sit on the... I, I don't think Eddie wants to sit on the bench, but I just feel Balogun is more likely to push the ball out if he's not playing or if he's having a similar role to Eddie and Ketty. It kind of looks like Eddie... Not that Eddie's complacent, not that he wants to sit on the bench, but he's more accepting of his role. Not that Balogun isn't. I just think Balogun's more likely to force the ball out and say, if I'm not playing, I'd rather head out on loan. And for me, with his contract up in 2025, we've got a position of somewhat strength, but if he was to go out on loan again and have a season like this or actually stay at Arsenal and have a good season or not have a good season in comparison to now, we might have a decision to make, really. But he just has to go out alone and do what he's doing, man. Where I let people know where they can find you to as well, man. Certainly, before we wrap up... No, I was going to say, it's funny that we want to get rid of one young striker to bring another young striker in. But yeah, it's it's funny how life works, really. But yeah, you could get enough game time. I just think we, it all depends what the player wants. It all depends on what Arteta wants because it's fun that he's got 17 league goals. But as we know, as stupid as it sounds, scoring goals isn't necessarily the most important thing of a striker within the system, specifically under Mikel Arteta. So it's all the other fragments into his game that probably need to be up to speed. Let people know where they can find you two before I let you lot get out of here, man. You know, I didn't plan on being 90 minutes, but it's been a fantastic chat. Man. Yeah, 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 yeah. Listen, man, so yeah, you can find me on YouTube, Guna underscore Lee. Always there doing content on AFTV as well, weekly, doing my stuff over there. So yeah, man, catch me there. King. Yeah, man, um, you can find me on uh, the Armoury TV on YouTube. Uh, we're just approaching that 1K sub mark. So um, the thing, people, to uh, make, sure you, make sure you hit that up. Um and yeah, like I do a lot of stuff on TikTok as well, Gunner King 14. 
uh, and on Twitter as well, Gunner King Fourteen as well, man. So yeah, like you know, like just uh, follow me on any of their um, those uh, outlets. And yeah, like obviously every time I'm here to represent, you know, for Deluded Green as well. Big up Lee as well. I love our chat. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I love our Arsenal fans. Difference of opinions, but this is how football is. It's a subjective game. Again, people, both of their channels are into in the description. Go and subscribe. You know, they what you know, Gunner King's flirting with a thousand. Lee's just over a thousand. They should have a lot more because they produce a lot of great content. Go and support the movement. If you're not supporting your own, why are you not supporting people? Smash the like button, subscribe, and all that good stuff. And we'll see you a lot soon, man. You know, timestamps will be in the video as well by the time we've obviously come off. So yeah. One love to you two gentlemen for joining me each and every time as usual. Everyone stay blessed, stay safe, we're out.